Hi, I'm Sam Hawley, coming to you from the lands of the Gadigal people. This is ABC News Daily. Since the start of the war, tens of thousands of Ukrainians have vanished. Civilians have been plucked from the streets by Russian soldiers, and in some cases detained and tortured. Today, international correspondent for the independent newspaper Bell True on her months-long investigation into those who were captured and why it constitutes another possible war crime. Bell, your investigation, it's fascinating, it's intriguing. You went about trying to find Ukrainians who've gone missing since the start of the war. Just tell me about how you went about doing that. Yeah, so I entered Ukraine on the second day of the war and pretty early on during the process of reporting, I started hearing from civilians that people had been going missing. And it was very difficult to work out what had happened at the start because, of course, a lot of areas were active conflict zones. A lot of areas didn't have access to the internet. It was very hard to work out what had happened. That changed with the Russian withdrawal from the areas in, like, northwest and northeast of Ukraine um, a few weeks into the occupation of those areas. And at that point, we were able to access those regions. And it was then that people began to put two and two together and realise that this wasn't just individual cases that this may actually be organised and that lots and lots of people were missing. Mm, Okay, and you you start digging around and you're discovering that these disappearances, they began very early on in the war. So take me to the 12th of March. What did you find out about what was happening on that particular day? So during the process of trying to work out where people were, I ended up tracking 12 particular people. Of those 12, at least four of them were taken or vanished on the 12th of March. Four civilians are out basically looking for supplies or trying to deliver supplies, and then they were just disappeared at different points during that day. So at that point, Russia in the north of the country was occupying several areas, and there people had vanished. So there was a town called Trostinets, which I visited a few times, There, a man called Andre, it's not his real name, we're protecting his identity, but he's a furniture maker in his 30s. He was out getting food with his father-in-law and essentially a Russian military vehicle sort of pulled up next to him and and took him. When they loaded us into a car from Trostianets and started to drive out of town, it was terrifying. I sat down next to my father-in-law and we said, probably that's it, we will never return home again. After that moment, it was very scary. So he was taken with his father-in-law, and his father-in-law to this day is still missing. At the same time, just slightly east of that, in Kharkiv, in an area that has been very heavily hit, a young man who I've called Igor, he was a humanitarian volunteer, he went home that day and had been taken at a checkpoint. And on the same day in the south of the country, so that's hundreds of kilometres south, an activist and journalist called Serhi had been attempting on that day to try and take supplies to elderly relatives and friends in a nearby town and was stopped at a a Russian-run checkpoint and was also vanished. 
So these are unrelated events, but they all took place on one day. And for me, I just happened to be looking into the cases of these people and it really struck me that just on one day, four people could just vanish like that. And these are all civilians. So as you go about your investigation, what did you find out about what the Russians were saying to them when they were being taken away? Sometimes they're told nothing, but in a lot of cases they were accused of essentially colluding with the military or being terrorists. And they were repeatedly interrogated about military positions or where members of the security forces are, this, this kind of thing. The people I had focused on were civilians and, you know, all of them didn't have any of that information. And they repeatedly said, you know, I'm just a civilian. I, I have no idea. How many days were you held for? Seven. And were you ever held with other people? No, it is impossible. You were on Russian your own? Warrior, you they know. separate everyone, so you were not yes, in a room? Yes, yes, all the time. And at night, at day, all the time. And as far as I'm aware, they, they're not charged with anything. And they're essentially detained and mistreated. And this could constitute arbitrary detention and this could constitute torture, which is all violations of international law and could also constitute war crimes. The laws of war do allow parties to the conflict to intern civilians in non-criminal detention if they believe their activities pose a serious threat to security. But there is a whole list of rules that have to go with that. So although you can intern a civilian, you cannot arbitrarily detain them. You cannot hold them indefinitely with no charges. You cannot mistreat them. You cannot disappear them. And that's what I, this, this, the evidence that I had uncovered was pointing to these violations of international law. And did you find out where they'd been taken to? So there appears to be various different routes and various different destinations for the people who were essentially detained. So in Andre's case with, with Igor, as I mentioned before, this is the northeast of the of the country. They appear to have been taken across the border to specifically one prison called Stary Oskol, which is about 180 kilometers into Russia. And then in the south of the country, they appear to have been taken to places like Crimea, which was illegally annexed by Russia in 2014, and then onwards to Russia. But they were also being held essentially incommunicado um, in what appears to be arbitrary detention and also subjected to torture and mistreatment and forced labour. Mm, and how did you get a sense of how they were being treated? How did you establish that there was this torture, beatings, you know, this cruelty happening? So the only way to, to know what happened is to speak to those, the handful of people who've been released from these areas. In every single one of those uh, testimonies that I gathered, they talked about torture, beatings, stabbings. In some cases, um, electricity was used on them. They were also subjected to mock executions, which is a form of torture. I spoke to one young man who'd been held in a basement for 10 days and tortured. Can you, can you talk me through your injuries? So where you were... Yeah, he showed me his um, x-rays where his ribs were broken, his leg had been broken. Um, and he just said that a second lasts an eternity and you don't know, it's so frightening because you don't know if you're going to live or not. Every hour longer than you. Maybe big part of the people not alive. Maybe in this uh, situation I'm just lucky guy. In the town where Andre was uh, abducted in Trostianets, I'd actually in April uncovered a, a torture chamber under the railway station there and there was still blood on the walls from the people who'd been tortured. And I interviewed civilians who'd seen people be tortured to death in front of them. 
So really, this is like mountains of evidence off the back of months of talking to different people that pointed to torture. And I will say, of course, that Russia repeatedly denies committing any crimes or any violations of international law in Ukraine and has said that Ukraine is deliberately staging atrocities to win international support. But at least from the testimonies that I've gathered, points to mistreatment and torture. Mm, so really extensive research on, on your part, and you've tracked particularly these four civilians that were taken on the 12th of March. But do you know or do we know how many other people, other Ukrainians, have just totally disappeared? So the short answer is we just don't know. And that's what's really heartbreaking. Um, I've spoken to, for example, um, Ukrainian prosecutors and human rights ombudsmen, all the way down to civil society organisations that are literally working with families, trying to piece together any information they have. And Yuri Belisov told me, basically, they have a national hotline and they had at least 25,000 people log the missing people. But half of these people were found. It means that right now we have 12.5 thousand people who are still missing. But so we know at least 12,500 Ukrainians, their whereabouts are unknown. That number is likely to be in reality much higher. Sure, because if people didn't make a request to police, so it means that they are not in the database. And there are people who are missing that we may never know where they are. Did you get a sense of why Russia is targeting Ukrainian civilians in this way? Why are they doing it? So I'm not sure exactly, you know, I, I wouldn't like to speculate what Russia in, is doing here, but at least the Ukrainians are accusing Russia of essentially terrorizing civilian populations, of trying to change the demographics of those areas and deliberately targeting people who are um, criticizing them. The other issue that I've uncovered has been the possible use of these civilians in prisoner swaps. A repeated point that was made to me by different family members of people who were taken was that they were told that Russian soldiers or the soldiers that they backed were deliberately taking civilians to use as leverage in prisoner swaps. And when you do a prisoner swap, you get one Russian for two Ukrainians, essentially. And that was the ratio for Andre's prisoner swap. And this could amount to the war crime of hostage taking. It's just horrendous, Bill, and it must be so hard for the families. The people who are left behind, it's probably the cruelest fate. If your loved one, your husband, your brother, your son, one morning goes out and then just vanishes, vanishes into thin air, it's extremely traumatic and it's also a living hell. I spoke to one woman, Maria. She spends all day trawling through Russian telegram groups where they've posted photos of dead Ukrainians and, and just checks everybody to see if it's her partner. And she does that every day, all day. You can't imagine the trauma that comes off the back of that. And that's the life of so many relatives of people who have vanished. And that's the nightmare that is basically Ukraine right now. Belle True is an international correspondent for The Independent. You can watch her documentary, The Missing, on The Independent's website. Human Rights Watch says the vanishing of civilians is consistent with a range of abuses it's documented, including executions, torture, arbitrary detention and rape. 
This episode was produced by Flint Duxfield, Sydney Peed, Chris Dengate and Sam Dunn, who also did the mix. Our supervising producer is Stephen Smiley. I'm Sam Hawley. ABC News Daily will be back again tomorrow. You can find all our episodes of the podcast on the ABC Listen app. To get in touch with the team, email us on abcnewsdaily at abc.net.au. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.